Welcome to Day Zero Update for October 10th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Ologi. And I'm Brandon Parkins. Yeah, light crew this week. Uh, Dan Rib is out due to a trip he took this weekend. Yep. Uh, so we hopefully should have him back next weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got plenty of news here. We'll tell you uh, what franchise is coming to the Switch for the first time. Yeah. And it has something to do with a certain character that was revealed as the last character for Smash Ultimate. But we'll yeah. be getting to that. Yeah, we'll talk a bit about uh, Rockstar confirming one of their worst-kept secrets mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about some uh, sad news about Ryu Gakutoku Studio. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about actually some interesting industry news. Mm-hmm. Uh, one studio's trying... A new style of work week. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that. Uh, Randy Pitchford's doing something different. Not really the thing you might want him to do. I but... go and fucking retire and get the fuck out of all our lives. Oh, unfortunately. Maybe, but uh, there's a new wrinkle to that settlement that we talked about last week between mm-hmm. the EEOC and Activision Blizzard. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, we got a major hack going on with one of the biggest uh, streaming game services. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got an NFT story because a thing happened that people expected would happen at some point. Mm-hmm. And we'll say good riddance to a human piece of shit that is important to the industry. That just so happened to be a part of Probably the most popular gaming series in ja- in Japan's industry. Yeah. Yeah. He's like one of the three major figures of it, and he was also a massive piece of shit. And we'll yep. tell you why. Yep, so that's uh, a, a glimpse of what's happening uh, for the show this week. But before we do that, we'll be talking about what we've been playing. And I will kick it off here. Uh, first up, Metroid Dread. Mm-hmm. Uh, long-awaited uh, part of the Metroid series that got initially announced for the DS, then just disappeared, mm-hmm. and people figured it would never happen. Then finally popped up last year. Yep. Or no, this year. Uh, that's coming out from the same team that did uh, Metroid Samus Returns, the mm-hmm. sort of remake of Metroid 2. Yeah, honestly, could not have picked a a uh, better group of people to do it, honestly. Are the only people that have made a Metroid game in the last 10 years? Maybe? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, there's another team that's trying to, uh, but they have nothing to show for it at the moment. And haven't uh, had anything to show for it for quite a while now. Well, they took it from the one team. Well, yeah, that's uh, true. So that's kind of that. But Metroid Dread features a lot of mechanics that come from Samus Returns, the the counter system mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, letting enemies try to attack you, but obviously countering it so that you can get uh, quick attacks in that can finish them off quickly, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? There's the... I know it's it's been a part of the the games since at least uh, Super Metroid, but sort of the the ability to sort of plant your feet mm-hmm. and take shots around. It's obviously with the analog stick. There's more mm-hmm. fidelity to that, but 
also coming from Samus Returns. It's sort of just the way that it looks really nice. As you see Samus, you know, if you're shooting behind her, she'll just, you know, kind of turn around a little bit to make shots. You can do that off of, you know, hanging off of ledges. It just looks real nice. Yeah. So I kind of associate that from that. But uh, they also do some good stuff, at least with some of the uh, new things that they're doing. So like the the story-wise, it's continuing on from the other games. Uh, there's a whole bit at the beginning as it does a slow intro explaining, you know, the history of the Metroids and the X-Parasites uh, and how those were sort of created to combat the other one. Uh, then they wiped out the Metroids as far as they know. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with the X-Parasites, but uh, the Galactic Federation gets a video suggesting that maybe the X-Parasites are still around, maybe on this one planet. Mm-hmm. So they send these ME robots that mm-hmm. uh, are supposed to go in and wipe them out. They're supposed to be immune to whatever's going on, but obviously other things are going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they disappear off the network, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so they send Samus because she is the only other, uh, the only person in the galaxy, the universe, whatever, that is immune to the uh, X parasites. Yeah. Due to the whole weird story of getting a Metroid vaccine. Uh, that. Yeah, like I started up uh, Super Metroid uh, the other day because I was like, well, I should probably play this mm-hmm. at least a little bit before I start up Metroid Dread in a couple days. Mm-hmm. I was like, for having much less lore to expound, it's similarly uh, slow to start. Uh, especially mm-hmm. just the way that it kind of gets you going uh, for a bit, though you don't have to do any sort of weird sequence of mm-hmm. uh, going into this uh, whatever lab or whatever and then have to escape again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time you're just going into this facility on this planet. I think it's called ZDR. Uh, I don't know why it's called that yet, uh, but they, uh, you sort of uh, get down here, you meet with a mysterious figure trying to get into a fight with them and manage to kind of lock yourself into this facility at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of told like, oh, you need to get to your ship and get the hell out of here. And of course, that's going to lead you through all these different areas where uh, you find out the Emmy are still around. But mm-hmm. maybe not uh, being on your side anymore. Mm. Uh, now that whenever you go into the areas, there's kind of this weird, uh, like film grain that gets on the screen. It's sort of a little bit of white and black flashing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more subtle uh, when you see it, but you also see that the the mini map, like the the background of the area you're in, is like a gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that so you can kind of tell like when you're in these areas as well as just when you can hear the ME sort of moving around uh, as you hear the the beeping and whatnot that they make uh, especially when you can see the red dot on the minimap and you start going holy shit what do I need to do here to get uh, out of their way and especially after you get uh, through the the first two they run you through uh, the first one's sort of a tutorial thing where you have to get this this weird upgrade that upgrades your arm cannon to an Omega cannon, which is the only way to beat them, which is sort of a way that when you do it, you go into like a weird third person cam. Like it's almost behind the shoulder, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's like a slightly off to the side. Like it's still trying to be side scrolling. Mm 
uh, to give you a shot of like the the Emmy like walking at you as you try to get this shot in on there. I've been doing it to the head. You could probably do it to the whole body. I don't know, but cool. uh, if you do get caught by the Emmy, you do have like a chance of using that counter to uh, get yourself out of it. I had a good little streak of like two or three times where I kept running into it uh, and countering out of it. Mm-hmm. And then you get like a few seconds to run away. But I'm also really good at this game. You know how they have platforms that are almost kind of where the gaps are almost kind of like zigzagging. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at falling through every single one all the way to the bottom. Uh, and there are a couple points uh, with like the first Emmy, I think, where there are places like that. And uh, the Emmy's coming down the one way and I have like one chance to get out of there and just getting caught. Mm-hmm. Kind of annoyingly, if you don't... Uh, succeed in that counter system uh you get a game over screen and yeah. get reset to the uh the place that you entered that area in so if you're uh not doing great uh, luckily doesn't punish you too much like send you back to the exact time you last saved yeah but it's it can be frustrating at times especially because it's like the only way you're going because it gives you the option like continue or quit Mm-hmm. It's like the only time you want to quit is if you're super pissed and you're like, fuck this game. Uh, but I haven't done that yet. But yeah, I'm in the area for the second Emmy, and that's where they introduce like a cloaking system, which you've seen in one of the trailers at least, uh, which has a meter of its own. So as you're wearing it, as you're using it, it goes down slowly. Mm-hmm. But if you shoot or walk or jump or you know, do anything uh, with it, it drains faster, and mm. it can. If you drain it all the way, it then uses your uh, energy to keep it filled, all the way to leaving you with one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you uh, turn it off, you can't use it again until that meter fills up. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a risk reward there, and very much. If I'm in an Emmy area, at least for this, the one that they introduced this whole stuff in. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, you would have a ability that lets you grab onto these blue walls. Uh, because, of course, they're especially colored walls that you can't grab onto normally. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can sort of grab onto that and sort of pull yourself up uh, against the... Uh, if you're on the ceiling, at least. I'm not sure mm-hmm. about on the, the wall proper. But yeah, uh, that's a thing to pay attention to. But if, you know, if it runs into you while you're cloaked, uh, it's still going to grab you. Uh, just because it can't see you uh, doesn't mean, you know, it can't grab you. But, yeah, it's it's been fun so far. Maybe the only issues I've had is that the uh, you only move with the stick now. There's no D-pad. Mm-hmm. Moving D-pad is used to, like, make the uh, mini minimap sort of a little bit bigger. But it doesn't stay like that for long. I've also found it weird that in the in the Emmy rooms, like the camera can zoom in mm-hmm. further, which is kind of annoying. It's like, no, mm-hmm. let me see around me mm-hmm. uh, if I'm trying to worry about this stupid robot chasing me. Uh, especially because they can be very much. Uh, do you remember that uh, first-person alien game that came out a few years ago? Yeah, like the the alien could. Uh, run around through the grates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the grates and the ducks and other things, yeah. Yeah, in ways that are like, oh, this AI is trying to find something to do because it's no, it's supposed to be looking for you 
while ignoring that it knows exactly where you're at. Uh, these Emmys can do similar things. They can even uh, sort of get through like little grates that you can kind of slide through. That's like one of the new moves as well, as you can like slide under the Emmys if you're really good at it, but you can also slide through like smaller doors or smaller like paths that would normally be big enough just for the, the ball form. Uh, so there's stuff like that. But yeah, like I've seen like the Emmy just like running around a bunch. I'm like, oh, you, you're kind of like, I can't let them know. I know where they're at, but I got to act like I'm going somewhere else mm-hmm. kind of thing at times. Uh, so it kind of turns into a bit of like a horror game at times, like a stealth horror game. Yeah. In some of those areas, especially if you are maybe not in the greatest of health yeah. <laughs> or anything, but or if you're, you know, low on shield or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's a, it's a fun, it's a fun change up. Uh, adding some new stakes since the Metroid games are typically very much like power fantasy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you get more abilities and all that, mm-hmm. which I guess they played a bit with the, the S a X sort of the, the clone of Samus done by the X parasite mm-hmm. they had chasing you in fusion. I think it was, Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm liking this a bit. And the other issues I have is I wish you could remap controls. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I lose track of where certain buttons are at. Uh, like right trigger right now is not really used by anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to move some stuff over there and maybe, maybe allow D-pad to control movement. And put the, the map button on something else. And maybe have the ability to resize the map permanently instead of it being until you move. So mm-hmm. there's, there's lots of little things, but this is Nintendo. They don't care about accessibility options or anything in their games. Mm-hmm. I think the only options they have in this game is brightness because the OLED switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a thing now, so they can have brightness. That isn't just system level brightness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can let you turn off the rumble. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... It's more than other Nintendo games I've played recently have had. Yeah. But so that's uh that's still not saying much. But yeah, I got my OLED switch. Uh went to I got the text and email at like eleven twenty PM mm-hmm. on uh Friday or Thursday night saying like, Oh, it's here, you can come pick it up. So mm-hmm. I, I was like, Well, I don't really have anything better to do, so I'll I'll go drive over and see what's up and it was all uh, boarded up and everything for the night. So I was like, well, that's it even had in the app uh, had the like button for I'm at the store, like bring it out to me. Mm-hmm. kind of thing. I was like, why the hell would that be there if it wasn't ready now? Mm. Uh, so I came back in the morning and I got there like, you know, 10 minutes early. Mm. I watched people just like hanging around the door waiting for it to open. I pulled into the one of the, the pickup spots. And then it wouldn't let me do anything <laughs> to say, like, bring it out to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, last night you would, you let me do this all day long. I didn't actually push it to see what it would do. Uh, once at 10 o'clock, I hit it. They brought it out to me like two minutes later. Mm-hmm. And I was gone. Uh, so that was that whole process. Uh, but yeah, package-wise, it's pretty, pretty good. Uh, I think the dock is new. It's white. Has like more rounded edges on it, so when you're trying to put the switch in, you're not necessarily likely to scratch it. Mm-hmm. 
I think it technically also has a protective film on the screen, like another uh, screen protector on it. Yeah. So that you don't necessarily have to go get a new one. I've seen people say like the, the ones for the switch, maybe make the screen a little duller. Mm-hmm. Since it's OLED, like the, the sharpness and brightness of the screen is pretty important. Mm. But yeah, the, uh, yeah, the brightness is a lot more manageable now. Like I can turn it down and it'll still be pretty bright. Uh, especially when I'm playing like a Picross game or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big issues I had setting it up, one just stupidly using the wrong password to log into my Wi-Fi mm. uh, a few times until I realized I was using the wrong password. So that was smart times. But also not doing the Animal Crossing transfer before. Mm-hmm. I was able to do it after uh, transferring over everything else. Yeah. Uh, there's just a little process of logging back into the original switch and all that. Uh, and then doing everything. So that was uh, an annoyance, but I did trade it into GameStop later that day uh, for $260. Mm. Due to a bonus deal they got for trading in hardware. Like mm-hmm. it ended yesterday, maybe. Uh, but and I traded in my PS4 Pro as well, and that got like 325 bucks. Yeah. So they took off some for some refurbishing thing because I guess the power button didn't work on it. Mm-hmm. But it was still like so much money. Like the only thing I and I traded in an Xbox One controller that was my launch controller that had a broken left stick, and they noticed that and took five bucks off that, but it was still like 27 bucks grossing mm-hmm. that for a controller I had not used in eight years. Mm. So I thought that was well worth it uh, for that. So I ended up with something like $553 in credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a copy of Lost Judgment. I was like, I'll, I'll pick up something. So I'm not making it obvious that I'm going to use all this uh, credit on like PSN and Switch credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got Lost Judgment, PS5 version. I haven't put that one in yet. All right. Because uh, I just don't have storage space on it yet, but I did mm-hmm. grab some PSN credit and put that on my Switch and bought the original Judgment on PS5. Mm. Uh, it was on sale for like 24 bucks. I was like, I'll get this and then I'll uh, have both to play and never finish. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that was that. Uh, let's see. Also got Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz. Mm. Uh, for my PS5. Uh, that game is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is a essentially a collection of Super Monkey Ball 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, levels and party games and that kind of stuff. Uh, they are... They do a good job of uh, remaking all that stuff. It's built in Unity, I think. Mm. Uh, but the weird thing is I think the... So they have a sort of campaign mode that also has like a bunch of challenge stuff you can do as well uh, for that. Uh, but they, I think they start with super monkey ball two stages. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's broken up into like 10 chapters. I think the first five are super monkey ball two. I think the last five are super monkey ball one, which is like confusing me. Like, why don't I played a, a good bit of super monkey ball? I was like, why don't I remember these stages? Uh, and I was like, Oh, these, I think these are all Super Monkey Ball 2 stages. So it's like the the theme of like the environment around the puzzles. Like one was like Pinocchio inside a whale. 
Mm-hmm. Like the the last ones, what I'm in right now is uh, at a, like a carnival kind of thing, uh, which has some really fucking tough levels. Mm-hmm. I was playing, I was doing a stream earlier today, going through uh, some of those levels, and one of them is literally just, uh, you go through these teleporters, and there's mm-hmm. just one side, and these two platform like long bridges are essentially going over each other constantly uh, back and forth. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to find the perfect way to do it uh, to get on there. And it took me quite a few tries to get that. Uh, it's another one that had these like other platforms that were just constantly spinning around, but at like one perfect point, it would uh, level out into a path you could actually get to. And mm-hmm. it gave you these switches for like play at normal speed, fast forward, uh, rewind and then like super rewind and then pause. So you're like going over these switches, like, oh, which way? Oh, pause it now. Oh, fucked it up. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. Uh, and there are a couple others, like, some of them are really kind of fuck you stages. I'm like, these yeah. have to be like the end things they put in this game. Uh, but yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff to unlock. You get points as you beat that stuff, uh, beat those levels and play them. Mm-hmm. And all that, I think every banana you get as well is a, is a point. So you get this shop, which the stuff you're probably going to buy first are the characters. There's like alternates for each of the character, for the main characters. And then there's Sonic, Tails, uh, Kazuma, Kiryu, and Beat from Jet Set yeah. Radio in the game. And when you have those characters use their characters, the bananas turn into rings for Sonic and Tails, uh, energy drinks for Kazuma, Kiryu, and uh, spray paint for mm-hmm. Beat. And like has the same sound effects and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. For that, uh, I mean, one of the issues is just all the uh, money they're trying to bilk out of people uh, for this game. Because mm-hmm. despite it being a collection of these classic games, uh, they do not include the original character models. Mm. These are sort of new char- new versions of these characters. Yeah, uh, that's five bucks for that pack. Uh, there's the soundtrack for the original games. That's mm. five bucks as well. Uh, so these are all new songs. There's like Hello Kitty is uh, a pack here for five bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if that one has specific stages for that, but there's also the Sega Legends pack, which means you would have a Game Gear, a Dreamcast, or a Saturn inside a Monkey Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a, another customization pack with new stuff in there. Uh, but I think the customization stuff they have for the the balls are kind of poor because mm-hmm. there's not, despite having all these, you know, two Sonic characters, a uh, Yakuza character, and a Jet Set Radio character, there's no cosmetics tied to any of those games in the shop that you can buy. Uh, and the game has items you can buy for, like, your head, like your body, and your feet. Yep. As well as the ball. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing it's tied to Sega itself is there's like a Sega shirt. Hmm. That's it. <laughs> I'm like, really? You don't have like Yakuza shirts, a ball that is, you know, like a Sonic that looks like a Sonic when he's in the spin ball form. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have like a, a baseball, basketball, soccer ball kind of stuff that covers the whole ball, but the other uh, skins for it just cover half of it. Mm. Uh, so it's like a lot of weird stuff like that where it's like, 
you do a good job on like the the modes and all that mm-hmm. uh, but the customization stuff is a little lacking outside of the purely the characters uh, that you've added in the base game and yeah but the game itself i think is 40 bucks mm-hmm. uh, so it's a pretty good price uh, for the amount of content that's in here all the party games are in here you know monkey race monkey boxing or whatever it is mm-hmm. dumb little punching game yep uh, uh the best one of them all is monkey target mm. uh, where you get these uh essentially kind of like throwing these monkey balls down a a big ramp uh so they can you know go up into the air and you kind of fly towards these variously designed targets mm-hmm. and trying to land your monkey in the right spot to get the most points and maybe picking up certain power-ups that might double your score or whatever. Mm. Uh, but for this game, they also have like ranking challenges, which have, you know, challenges based on, you know, the various stages in the, the campaign, but also some of the party mm. stuff. Like there's one for the racing where you essentially race through all the tracks and try to get the best time. Uh, there's one for getting through all six of the uh, challenges for the uh, monkey target. Mm. So I was doing that as the, the latter part of the stream, trying to get better scores. And I eventually sort of got a hang of things that I was number nine in the world mm. on that one. I ended up with like 20, 25, 26,000 points on it, which was really nice. Uh, that I like those challenges. They have online leaderboards for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty nice, but I think it only shows you the top 100. Mm. Uh, it might tell you what position you are overall at like the top, but uh, the only other leaderboard is for uh, friends list leaderboards, yeah. which I don't really have anybody playing it other than me. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. no like online multiplayer for any of this stuff. That would have been nice to see. Uh, but you can't play most of the games against bots, so you're at the mercy of how good those bots are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have a bunch of options for tailoring that stuff however you want. Mm. Uh, but it's a, it's a pretty good collection. that I And there's, uh, yeah, the other issue I have is that uh, they have these missions that are essentially just achievements. Mm. Uh, there's like a handful of them for each of the, the campaign stages. Usually like beat the stage, beat it without using the, the, the helper thing. Mm-hmm. Which, if you die five times on a stage, it brings out a thing like, "Oh, you need help? We can help you get this level done. Um, make it easier." And I'm like, "No, stop asking me." Uh, there's one for beating it under a certain time, beating it while getting a certain amount of bananas, and sometimes there are like secret goals mm-hmm. in there. Uh, and one of the stage has like a green goal, and there's others that have multiples, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so they'll have missions for each of those. And so, you know, ideally you probably just beat them first time and then come back later to get all the missions. But the ability to sort of uh, keep track of what missions you're doing, how close you are to them, that kind of stuff is yeah. really hard because once you beat the stage, it just brings you to the screen, tells you like how many points you got. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell you like, here's what your, your, here's what the missions were. Here's what time you got, what you know, amount of bananas you got, whatever. Uh, so you can be like, oh, I should retry and get that thing. You're supposed to like specifically remember everything you need to do and focus on that. Mm-hmm. I think the the end of the stage screen is kind of poor for letting you know for that kind of stuff. For as much as it 
has a whole entire menu set up with long lists of these things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't do a great job of letting you keep track of that stuff easily. Uh, so that's kind of the one of the disappointing things. Like maybe a quick restart button would be nice. Because mm-hmm. you have to sort of uh, either you just kill yourself, roll off the ledge, or you you know pause, go to click on retry, and then confirm that, and then go through the setup again. That kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, that's that's that game. It's pretty good. Uh, worth checking out if you like the original games. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There's also Jet the Far Shore, mm-hmm. one of the other new releases for this week. Yep. Uh, that one is from Super Brothers. Mm-hmm. They made you know Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery. Uh, though they made it in conjunction with another studio. I forget the studio's name is. Uh, but they they have to be an Eastern European studio because it, it has like its own language in it, and it very much sounds like Eastern European, maybe Russian. It's not an actual language, I don't think. Mm. But it very much has that kind of uh, sound to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this game is uh, very very story focused. Yeah, uh, it's about it's like the you're sent out with a crew to kind of explore this planet that you think could be like a future for your people, mm-hmm. even though it's like the, the trip takes like a thousand years, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. Uh, but your crew has gone out to send out to do this. And there's a whole big thing at the beginning as you're kind of going through the rituals before being sent off. Uh, then you, uh, it breaks all this stuff up into chapters nicely. It tells you like, Oh, this chapter is like 30 minutes. This chapter mm-hmm. take like, two hours. Uh, I think it checkpoints because uh, I did not finish the two hour one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that one you get onto the planets and you're, the jet is your ship they are using to explore the, the planet. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite as, it's not an open world kind of thing. It's very kind of story focused linear, but it does give you times to kind of uh, explore the area. Cause you're able to sort of analyze these creatures and plants and other points of interest in these areas as you're trying to learn like, Oh, what, how do they react to like the, the, the weird like jump thing your ship has or your flashing lights. Uh, can you pick up like these like little balls of like pollen or juice or whatever these plants have? Mm-hmm. How do they react to that kind of stuff? Uh, you're trying to figure all this kind of stuff out. Yeah. When it gives you that time to do that stuff and, so far, I got to the point where this thing called the gloaming happened on this planet, which like tears through your ship's shield mm-hmm. big time. So constantly having to find shade to hang out in, let your sh- your shield uh, recharge, that kind of stuff, uh, before finding a place to uh, shack up for the night. After that, has sort of given you enough information about what the f- what the that this is not a great thing to be out in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Kind of at the point where we kind of uh, teamed up back with the other members that we had to kind of leave behind for a bit. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at on that. But it's pretty neat. It's a, a bit of a weird thing. I imagine it's not going to be a game that gets a ton of acclaim or interest in because it's very much a game that you have to be in for trying out some weird like ship uh, traversal kind of stuff to it. Uh, the controls for that ship are a little bit complicated. In a sense, you have like ways of like 
doing big jumps and all this kind of stuff, as well as like managing your speed and all that. It's kind of a an interesting game. I'm gonna put some more time into that, but that's one that seems pretty neat so far from what I've played of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think it's gonna be a game that you know gets a huge amount of acclaim, unless there are a ton of weirdos out there like me. Uh, but let's see other stuff and play more rocket league. Just having fun in that. Uh, I decided to switch out my Anthem in there mm-hmm. at, from Montero, uh, little now is Montero to a Anthem that I bought from the shop pretty recently. Mm-hmm. That is smash mouse all-star that they put up for sale for like two bucks. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this is stupid enough. I got to buy this. Uh, and immediately used it in my in the first game that I uh, had a chance to the other day, mm-hmm. and the first three goals were all people that had this game as their anthem. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, good! I'm in my my uh uh with my people of weirdos uh, playing All Star every time we score a goal." Mm-hmm. Uh, I had two of those goals. There was another person that had one. I had like one of my best games of recent times. So. I don't know if that was coincidental or not, but uh, I also giggle every time I score because I get to hear All Star just blaring over like the the stadium monitors or the yeah. speakers, whatever. So that's just been a fun little thing that's been happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also had a little bit of time to check out the Battlefield 2042 beta. Um, with 64 on 64 action, that is just pure chaos, uh, especially when I'm just starting against people that uh, presumably have been playing for the past few days and kind of knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I, whereas I was just spawning in different places, being like, all right, what's going on? What do I need to do? And then getting killed pretty quickly. I don't think I killed a single person. Uh, got some assists, but didn't kill anybody. Got onto a uh, helicopter a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, once getting to man the Gatling gun on it. Uh, so that was pretty fun. Didn't really do any damage as far as I could tell. Because mm. uh, the the other person was just flying around a bunch. Uh, not necessarily going into too much combat there. But uh, the other weird thing they added is a grappling hook. And it's very weird because I think you have to use one of the D-pad buttons to enable it. Then you yeah. kind of shoot it somewhere and then it pulls you. Uh, so it's kind of a sometimes very different for Battlefield but also very much controls in a weird way that says like, Oh, this is uh, a mechanic that for a game that already has a ton of mechanics mm-hmm. uh, and abilities that you can do. So that's kind of the, the weird thing with that. So yeah, that's been, that's been pretty much it for me. Brandon, how about you? Well, um, so uh, I finished tales of Arise. Like I think I, told everyone on the show last week. Um, and my review for that is all done and ready to go. It just has to get posted on the site. Um, before, but, you know, it's got to get some editing first from Teresa. But before, uh, since that's done and I pretty much have this huge sort of gap in, you know, my gaming world, I decided... You know, that I finally had the chance to uh, play a game that I have been meaning to play for almost a decade now, but 
you know, for whatever reason, either I had other interests at the time or other games to play or just things got in the way, uh, I decided to finally just play uh, Fallout New Vegas, which is a game that's now considered to be, you know, a major classic of the medium, even though when it originally came out, it was buggy as glitchy as all hell. Um, considering the fact, though, that Obsidian made this game in only 18 months is pretty impressive when you consider just the sheer amount of content that's actually in the game. And, of course, Chris, you've played New Vegas before, right? Yeah, not that much, but a few hours of it. Yeah, um, it's pretty much like the anti-Fallout 3. Um, and that's not really me saying anything bad about Fallout 3. Fallout 3 was a pretty good game. Um, but it was very much sort of outside the sort of design philosophy of the original Fallout games. It was much more of a Bethesda product with Fallout clothing, which is fine and everything. You know, Bethesda just has a different philosophy when it comes to game design than, you know, the guys at Interplay did. Um, But essentially, Fallout New Vegas, the whole sort of story is that you're this courier who's working for a courier company, and you were assigned to deliver a package to a place in New Vegas. And uh, unlike, you know, the Fallout 3, which took place mostly around D.C. and the surrounding areas, um, the actual, um, the, the original Fallout games took place over on the West Coast, generally near California. And this one... Uh, goes back to the West Coast, but it's largely around, um, you know, mostly around Nevada. But there's also, like, pieces of, uh, also, you know, pieces of California and uh, also, you know, Arizona, New Mexico, that whole area. Um, And you sort of end up, as you're trying to deliver your package, you get uh, sort of captured by this guy named Benny and these two uh, great cons that he hired uh, to get you. And then he takes the thing that you were supposed to deliver and then he shoots you in the head. And then you end up waking up a little later, getting digged out by this robot named Victor. And you're uh, in this little town where you uh, sort of recover and learn the basics of the game. Um, But the thing is, like... It's not linear at all. You don't have to stay in that town at all. You can wake up, get all your stuff put together, and then immediately try to head to New Vegas if you want to. I wouldn't recommend it because you will get your ass handed to you very quickly. Um, I know I went and robbed the dude's house. Yeah. Everything that didn't aggro him. Mm-hmm. And then went to the town and grabbed everything that didn't aggro anybody and sold what I could and kept the rest. Yeah. Um, which is Fallout. At least the Bethesda Fallout. Yeah. Like, like Elder Scrolls, it's pick up all the shit you can carry and sell what you don't need. Yeah. Or dump it somewhere. Yeah. But, yeah, again, you don't have to stay in the town and do any of the plot stuff there at all if you don't want to. You can just head straight out if you want. Um, 
But part of like the big difference between the between Fallout Three and Fallout New Vegas is in Fallout New Vegas there is definitely like a sense of danger that you could get killed at any time. Um, the you know the there the enemy placement is a lot more random, and you know they they're actually relatively smart too like. The raiders will like hide out in the cliffs and snipe down at you. Um, some of the animals will gang up on you if you're not careful. Uh, the wildlife, especially, especially those fucking brahmin, uh, the wild brahmin, they will fucking charge you if you and turn you into a fucking meat paste if you aren't careful. Um, but eventually, as you go along, you start to kind of realize like what the actual sort of overall story going on here is um find out that uh the area around New Vegas and specifically the Hoover Dam is currently in the middle of uh sort of in this this sort of tense sort of standoff between uh the forces of the NCR that's the New California Republic if you've played the first two Fallout games you're very much familiar with them um with the forces of Caesar's Legion, who is basically a bunch of hyper-reactionary army of slavers that sort of base themselves around one guy's sort of idea of what the Roman Empire was supposed to be. And then you have New Vegas, which is ruled over by Mr. House, who is, you never, you know, he, he's, nobody has seen him in a long time. He basically lives, supposedly lives like on the top of this, a huge tower at the 38 Casino in the middle of New Vegas. Um, and he's got, like, an army of robots at his command. that Matthew Perry? No, he plays Benny. Okay. Benny's the guy that you meet up in the checkerboard jacket who shoots you in the head at the beginning of the game. No. Uh, Mr. House was voiced by Renee, some other name. I can't remember. It was, like, one of the last roles he had before he died. Um but basically, Mr. House is like the anti-Andrew Ryan. Um, but, yeah, and uh, basically the game sort of, it's it, it, there's just so many variables that the game gives you. Because um, you can side with one of the three factions, or you can side with none of them. There's a totally an independent run you can do. There's a bunch of, like, random places that you can find. And one of the neat things that definitely makes it in my opinion superior to fallout 3 is that it's a lot easier to find places in this game than it was in fallout 3 because they specifically create like these huge landmarks that you can see that will sort of guide you to major areas like you know you need to get to the mojave outpost that the ncr controls uh he's like okay so where is that and you look off in the distance oh there's a statue of two ncr rangers shaking hands that's where the Mojave Outpost is. Um, or, you know, you need to go to uh, where New Vegas is. New Vegas is extremely easy to find because it's the one place in the whole map that's lit up like a Christmas light every night. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's a damn good game. It's not completely perfect. It's still kind of glitchy in places, and it's definitely kind of aged in some spots, but... Damn, it's still a lot of fun. Um, and, of course, I'm also playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition as well, but mostly Fallout New Vegas. So, uh, 
yeah, that's what I've been playing. All right, let's get to uh, the first bit here. It is October, and as it always is, the week after the PS Plus and Games of Gold lineups happen, uh, we get a bit of uh, knowledge about what the other subscription services Sony and Microsoft have are going Mm -hmm. to be offering. So we'll start here with PlayStation Now for October. Mm -hmm. And they brought some big stuff here. There's Last of Us Part 2. Mm-hmm. Going to be available until January third next year. Uh, there's Fallout seventy six. Yeah, check out. Which I've been told has is now better than it was at release. Yeah, it's pretty good for what it is. Yeah, uh, and also it's at least when I was when I played it, it was very much despite being a game where you could fuck around with other people that didn't happen as much mm-hmm. as you might expect. Because uh, it seems like people are just playing like a Fallout game. Mm-hmm. But they can occasionally have their friends hang out with them. Mm-hmm. Which is they do their own shit and keep to themselves, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, there's Amnesia Collection. So if you uh, have not played at least the, the first Amnesia, mm-hmm. uh, some fucked up games. Oh, they are very, very terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, if you're one of those people that's always uh, convinced there's some, you know, secret thing around the corner or whatever, that's pretty much what those games are about, at least that first one. Yeah, I uh, do not recommend it if you are uh, someone who suffers from high blood pressure. Yeah. Uh, Let's see, the next game here is Desperados 3. Yep. It's sort of a, it's not really an RTS, it's kind of like a, of a real-time tactics kind of game. It's basically kind of like XCOM. Yeah, but I think less turn-based. Yeah. To it, but you're able to move these people around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that that's a series that's been going for a while, but got a, a recent sequel. Yeah. The last year or two, but uh, as I mentioned before, Final Fantasy games are coming to PlayStation now, and Final Fantasy VIII Remastered is on there now. Mm-hmm. So you can check out that game and be like uh, impressed by how much the visuals improved over seven. Yeah, maybe also be uh, I don't know, weirded out by it. Yeah, or at least incredibly annoyed by the lead character because he's such a piece of shit. Yeah, but at least you can't do the the meme stuff about that version like mm-hmm. people do with the character models of the original. Yeah. Uh, let's see, there's Victor Vran Overkill Edition. Mm-hmm. Just sort of a Diablo-style action RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that kind of stuff, but more uh, vampires and werewolves kind of uh, motif to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. And then the last one is yet another Zombie Defense HD. Kind of weird little indie game, I guess. Uh, sort of tower defense zombie game. Mm-hmm. So that's the lineup there. Some pretty good stuff there. To uh, check out. Mm. Uh, let's see. Game Pass. What they revealed so far. Uh, available now. There is Tactical. Or no. Totally Accurate Battle Simulator. Mm-hmm. Which is a weird kind of game. Where you essentially. Uh, set up crews of various types of. Uh, characters. And just have them fight it out. In a very weird like simulator kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much kind of like a build-your-own-fun kind of thing to it. Mm. 
Uh, let's see. Also available now, there's the Procession to Calvary, uh, which they call a Python-esque adventure game. Mm-hmm. So that could be neat to check out. Uh, those are all on console, PC, and the cloud. Let's see. Visage is mm-hmm. also available now. It's a first-person psychological horror game. I think that just got an update for the new consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it might look a little better there. Uh, let's see. Happening on October 12th, which is Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Back for Blood. Yep. Uh, the sort of Left for Dead style follow-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I've heard a bunch of interesting things about the way that game works. Mm. Uh, there's like no solo mode, uh, at least with traditional kind of progression and all that. They have like a card system for deciding how your loot and all that kind of stuff works. Mm-hmm. I think if you're playing solo, all that stuff is unlocked by default, so there's no progression or anything to it. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of neat, but also I think it should be a solo campaign you could play through that is mm. has all the same progression as you know playing with other people. I think by default you get match made with other people. Mm. Whereas the original Left 4 Dead, you could play it solo if you wanted, with mm. bots, that kind of stuff. Uh, so there's there's some stuff people are not a huge fan of here, as far as like adding yeah. on modern service game stuff to it. Uh, but it seems like it'll still be fun if you got friends to play with. Mm. Uh, see, also October 12th is Destiny 2 Beyond Light, mm. uh, one of the newest expansions there. That you can check out. Uh, let's see, on the 14th, there's Ring of Pain, mm-hmm. which is a roguelike card crawler, as it calls it here. Yeah. Uh, each step around the ring is a dire decision go for the loot or backstab a creeping horror. I'd be curious what that one it kind of sounds like. Uh, uh, what's the. I forget what, but it sounds like a couple different games. I'm wondering which way it leans more. Mm. Uh, let's see, also on the 14th is the Rift Breaker. I think this one's got a little bit of like uh, survival base building kind of stuff, as well as some action stuff with you getting inside of a mech suit mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, and the fifteenth is the good life, mm. so you're able to get that as well, which is the weird sweary game. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you, you're playing a journalist, a photojournalist, kind of going to this English town to figure out some kind of weird mystery that's going on, uh, which eventually reveals itself to be like the people turn into cats and dogs at Mm. night. And there's like a murder that's happened and you're trying to figure out uh, what the the weird secret is that is going on here behind the scenes, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the stuff they've shown so far for this month. Mm -hmm. Stuff there. Mm check out so there's that uh let's get to the rest of the news uh mm-hmm. we know when that's october animal crossing direct is going to happen yep 15th it is on the friday the 15th mm-hmm. still don't know when the uh when they're going to announce the uh what's going on with the expansion pack for nintendo switch online mm. even though we're nearing halfway through the month yeah might want to get on that nintendo That'll probably be a random tweet mm-hmm. uh, someday. But yeah, that'll be happening at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Mm. Make sure you have to get up 
uh, nice and early, depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's pretty late on in Japan. Mm-hmm. So, yep, that's uh, this one that's happening. Talking about the the next big update in November. Mm. As for the other major Nintendo news, they announced the final character DLC character for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, mm-hmm. and it is Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I think when they had a survey of characters people wanted, Sora was the one that was voted the most. Yep, and so that's happening. I think there's no like Disney aspects to the character no uh donald or uh goofy to there mickey or anything like that maybe at most there's like a there's like a little chain with the mickey uh symbol symbol on on. yeah but yeah uh i think also crap i forget what the name is his special is called like the shut the keyblade hole something like that Mm mm-hmm some weird sounding thing that could be used for, let's say, uh, euphemisms for sex acts. Yep. It's like, okay. It's like, seal the, the keyhole. Mm. Like that. So it's like, oh, uh, what? Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure that's that's whatever. That <laughs> uh, nice joke name for that. Mm. So that's the thing. Uh, but alongside that, they were talking about other 20th anniversary news. For Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. and the the biggest news is that all three of the uh, games and collections and whatnot are coming to the Switch. Yep. The catch is they are all cloud versions. Because of course. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit surprising for those uh, 1.5, 2.5, and 2.8 collection stuff. Mm-hmm. That were you know originally made for the PS3, uh, but maybe the cloud version was just the easiest and cheapest way for them to mm. bring those to the Switch. Three makes more sense why they couldn't get it on there natively, mm-hmm. not doing a lot of work. But yeah, that's uh, that's a whole weird thing. So if you've been holding out this long, now you're not going, you're not really going to be able to play it portably. No, you have to be attached to it. An internet connection. Maybe that'll be your phone. Yeah. But something that you'll be able to access at any point. Mm. So, yeah, there's that. That's a lot of games, though, in Mm -hmm. those collections. Yeah, see, I mean, there's the three mainline games themselves. There's uh, Memories, Birth by Sleep, Dream Drop, 58 over two days. Yeah. Recoded. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's the Birth by Sleep 0.2 thing. Uh-huh. Like, prologue thing. There's a movie in there. Yep, there's a movie in there. That's weird. Yep. I guess the Kingdom Hearts 3 version also includes the DLC expansion as well. Yep. So they're going to be nice to you and just give you that. I don't know if they have pages already on the, on the eShop, but they don't have a date for them. Yet, yeah. so who knows? Could be out this year, probably not, but probably next year, maybe. Maybe, but who knows? Only Square Enix knows, but uh, yeah, that character Sora will be out on the 18th, so next week, next uh, Monday. Mm-hmm. Also, out that same day is a game called Nuclear Blaze. 
Yeah. Which is made by the creator of Dead Cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name here? Sebastian Bernard. Mm-hmm. And I believe the story behind this is that uh, his kid told him that uh, they wanted to be a firefighter mm-hmm. when they grew up. She was like, oh, that sounds like an interesting idea yeah. for a game. And made like a weird firefighting action game yeah. kind of thing. Side-scrolling action game. Yeah. That very much looks like the like a, a game the creator of Dead Souls would, Dead Cells would make. Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, like. you'd be surprised, but there's really not a lot of firefighting-related games out there. Lately, there have been. There is that Ember game, which has like a, it's like a first-person kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, there was that. Uh, there's there's some like indie. I don't know if they're actually firefighting. They're like simulator games that involve. Uh, firefighters mm-hmm. maybe managing a station or something. I don't know. Uh, but other ones, like there's been a couple of Japanese ones. Some that come over and they're maybe not the greatest. I mean, I do remember that one game from Sega Saturn that Sonic Team did called Burning Rangers. That was that was years ago, and that one was it was basically a firefighting game played like an elite group of like firefighters who it was like a it was kind of like a sci-fi game because you went like high rises and a spaceship and a state and a space station at one point and like you had like weird bosses like a fish robot and a flower that breathed fire it was fucking weird but yeah it's largely based around you know fighting fires and getting civilians out so yeah, there's there's one that I think came out on the DS called like Real Heroes Firefighter. Mm-hmm. I think it's been since brought to other platforms as like a cell shaded game to make that yeah. graphical style age better. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the consoles and such that it came to, it's like a firefighting simulator game. I'm looking at came out last year. Yeah, so there's stuff out there. I don't know that anything any of it are great though the. The demo I played of Ember, which has no E in it at the end. It's E-M-B-R. Seems like a neat little, like, co-op fighting game with a nice style to it. Mm. So, yeah, there's some stuff out there, and this one looks like to be pretty ridiculous on its own right. So, there's that. You can check that out. I don't know if there's a price on that yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doesn't seem like it, but I think it's going into, like, early access on the 18th. Mm-hmm. So, you can check that out. Uh, also coming out next week, on the 20th, Horizon Chase Turbo is getting a new expansion mm-hmm. called Senna Forever, mm-hmm. uh, which is based on uh, the F1 career of uh, a legendary Brazilian driver, mm-hmm. Ayrton Senna. Yep. Uh, the developers are Brazilian, so they're very much idolizing him so much they managed to partner with his uh, foundation, yep. the Ayrton Senna Institute, to work on this. Uh, yeah. Part of the sales, the uh, profits earned will be dedicated to the Ayrton Senna Institute's educational programs. Mm. So there's that. It's like five bucks on the consoles, four ninety nine or six bucks on the consoles, four ninety nine on iOS and Android versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it includes like a whole new career mode based on Ayrton Senna's career in F1. Mm-hmm. A new type of car. They're all like F1-style cars. 
mm-hmm. uh, as well as like a first person viewpoint, mm. as well as like strategy stuff you can do as far as uh, saying how you're going to set up your car and all this kind of stuff uh, mm. to deal with race conditions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, it has like its own achievement stuff for just that mode. Uh, 18 different teams for liveries on the, the vehicles, as well as 30 different cars to mm. unlock. And yeah, it's like a, a bunch of tracks as well, based on uh, some of the legendary circuits he raced in, in F1. So mm. there's like a lot of content, especially for six bucks. Yeah. Uh, looking real nice. I might have to check that out here and see how that goes. So mm. that'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm a lot of work into that kind of changing how the game works to make this feel more authentic mm. compared to the, the very arcadey nature. I think it's still arcadey, but it's not uh, as arcadey and simple as it is in the main stuff. Mm-hmm. The game. So that's, that's pretty neat. Mm. Uh, let's get to something happening on October 27th involving the PS3 and Vita stores. Uh, mm. You will not be able to, Fund your wallet on those platforms directly as of October 27th. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to start phasing that out. Yeah, so that's the only way you can fund it is just you go onto the, the PC store, or the web store, or use the mobile app, or if you have a PS5 or PS4, you can use that as well. Yeah. You fund your wallet from there with you know credit card, debit card, gift card codes, PayPal, whatever mm-hmm. stuff you have there. Uh, but then you can use it on the, the PS3 or Vita shops. I assume that's uh, something that's just dealing with needing to keep that up to date, especially for maybe modern uh, laws around that kind of stuff on you know, in Europe and other places. Mm-hmm. Because Nintendo's doing something similar with their 3DS and Wii U e- eShops. Uh, at least in Japan right now, I assume it'll transfer over to the others mm-hmm. soon enough. But your wallet can go th- between all the platforms, so it's not not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's an uh, unfortunate bit of news, but not really hugely surprising. No, not really. Dealing with some of these uh, storefronts that have been around for going on 15 years at this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's that. And that's it for all the dated stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Big news for the week. Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the yep. definitive edition has been announced finally. Yep. Uh, in place of this, any versions of Grand Theft Auto three, Grand Theft Auto Vice City and Grand mm-hmm. Theft Auto San Andreas that are on digital storefronts at this point are going to be removed yeah. sometime this week. Yeah. So if you're wanting to get all of those before, uh, this comes out, well, now's the time. Yeah, now you have to pay full price instead of those mediocre sales they've been having. Yep. Or they go best like 40% off. Because mm-hmm. you know that shit still sells. But yeah, it'll be those three games. Uh, there's... I'm trying to see here. Yeah, here's the, the Rockstar page on this. Yeah. Where they describe, let's see... It as... Feature across-the-board upgrades, including graphical improvements and modern gameplay enhancements for all three titles. Mm-hmm. Also maintaining the classic look and feel of the originals. Uh, it'll be on PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Switch, and the Rockstar Games launcher on PC. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, no steam on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess also part of this, they are going to be uh, putting some classic Grand Theft Auto-style gear on the Grand Theft Auto Online for mm-hmm. people to get throughout this fall. Yeah. It's part of the 20th anniversary celebration for GTA 3. Mm. So that game is old as fuck now. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is very, very old and looks it too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that still looks pretty nice. Uh-huh. Uh, um, there's definitely some gameplay stuff that could use some improving in at least that in Vice City. Yeah. Especially the aiming. Yep. That would very it'd do very well to update that. Um swim. Because those games you got to the water, uh you were uh, done. Yep. Because apparently uh they can't swim. <laughs> nope. That was probably a bit too much for what they could do. At the time. Uh, I mean or- this originally this I mean this was a PS two game, so obviously you know, they could only put so much on there. Um and they were pumping out these games pretty quickly. I think Vice City was 2002. Uh, GTA 3 was 2001. And I think San Andreas was 2004. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I got three huge games like that in four years is, uh, is a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I mean, especially cons- when you consider a fact, just the sheer amount of things that were possible in those games um which i mean people have to remember like the reason you know grand theft auto 3 why it was such a huge phenomenon was the simple fact that it was one you know that whole sort of sandbox style of playing was almost completely unheard of in console gaming at that time um yeah the only games that had come even close to it was uh, Body Harvest, which was a Rockstar North, uh, you know, before they were called Rockstar North, but that was them as well. Um, And of course, there was just the sheer amount of mayhem you could do in the game. Yep. It was very much a party game when you had friends over. Yeah. Seeing how much chaos you could cause before you died. Yeah, or before you got arrested. <laughs> um, yeah, um, those games were. I think, and I think it was Vice City that financially really was the one that actually did like a shit ton of money. But the Grand Theft Auto Three did really well. Vice City pretty much trounced it financially, um, and I hold that. I hold that game partially responsible for the whole 80s revival that came soon after. But, um, yeah, and then, of course, San Andreas, and that game was... Well, I mean, you still have memes about that game today, so... <laughs> yeah, CJ uh, going down the the alley saying, ah, shit, here we go again. Mm-hmm. They had big voice actors in it, too, like uh, Sam Jackson. Yeah. And, um, of course, you of had... Them. And, of course, you had that one very infamous controversy that probably made the game even more popular, but that's another yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, so that is happening at some point. They just say this year. Mm-hmm. 
I think the mobile versions are next year, early next year. Mm-hmm. So I assume these will be out at some point, but they're not saying when. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start getting some industry news. And we heard, these are like rumored for a bit that mm-hmm. these were happening, but we got final confirmations that Toshihiro Nagoshi and Daisuke Sato are leaving Ryu Gakotoku Studio to join up with, I think it's Nakon. Mm-hmm. To do something over there, I see yeah. Make games, so yeah, big blow to Ryu Gagatoku, but I think they they have plenty of talent there uh, to keep things going because you know everybody else that has worked on the Yakuza games are still there. Mm-hmm. I think the the new director of Ryu Gagatoku Studio is Masas- Masayoshi Yokoyama. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Rios. Yeah, Ryosuke Hori, who is now the Yakuza series chief director. Uh, and there's a bunch of other like chief jobs for the Yakuza and uh, Lost Judgment uh, people there. So I think they're going to be in good hands there. Uh, but they did put out statements. Uh, Masayoshi Okuyama put out a statement as the new director of the studio. Mm-hmm. Also mentioned that there was a sequel to Yakuza Like a Dragon mm. happening which isn't a huge surprise. Uh, let's see. And then messages from the the two people leaving. So mm. if you want to read those, you can. Uh, they talk a lot about how, how much the series is meant to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, seen it from its beginnings to now when it's, you know, a big popular series. Yeah. When for many years, it was basically a uh, niche thing in Japan. And then, Slowly but surely, it became a major franchise over here in the U.S. Yep. But yeah, that's uh, that's some sad news, but mm-hmm. hopefully they get to do some cool stuff. Uh, they've spent a lot of their time, a lot of their life at Sega. Mm-hmm. I assume they must be getting some interesting stuff to do uh, to move on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that. Uh, let's get to Idos Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, announcing that this week, as of this week, they are moving to four-day work weeks. Yep. And as they say, it is a 32-day work week. It's not necessarily like moving to 10-hour days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they will be keeping the same pay, so essentially like a same pay, pay same hour. benefits. Uh, yeah. Because I think I've seen a lot of studios, people at studios, talking about how they have a five-day work week, but the fifth day of Friday is like a half day. Mm-hmm. Realize like we don't really do much on this day because people goof off, uh, you know, don't work as serious because like ah, oh, it's it's only you know a few hours, mm-hmm. not really too much you can do there seriously. Uh, so like let's just move to four days. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some places keep the forty hours and like work longer days, but still get that three days off. So I'm just mm-hmm. cut it to thirty two hours, keep the same pay and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like a an interesting thing to do as far as like showing the industry like hey mm. you don't have to work everybody to death mm-hmm. uh, if you're not rushing to get games out as soon as humanly possible yeah uh, there are ways to create better work life balances and it seems like this this four day week thing is a, a thing that is spreading to many many businesses and industries yeah, around except for the ones that revolve around seven day weeks. Yeah, you know, retail uh, and 
food service and all that kind of stuff. We know uh, we found out earlier this week that the uh, nation of Belgium is moving to a four-day work week. Um, so, yeah, it's very slowly making its way into the mainstream. Yeah. And even in the like, more public sector jobs, you could easily have like half your people working, you know, maybe Monday through Thursday and the others working Thursday through Sunday, something like that to cover all the days. Uh, But, you know, making a better workplace because people realize like having those three days off actually makes things a lot better than your standard two. Mm -hmm. As kids who've gone through school know, two days ain't shit. Yeah. Because you're dealing with the aftermath on Saturday of what happened during the week, you know, homework and all that. If you're one of those kinds of students, uh, or you start doing some stuff and then you get to Sunday and you're like, oh shit, I only have one more day. Mm-hmm. I'm doing stuff and you lose a lot of uh, relaxation. Yeah, you, know, you find out just how uh, how few hours, you know, 12 hours actually is. Yeah. And that continues on into adult life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to do, and hopefully it works out really well and shows everybody else, like, hey, mm-hmm. you don't have to do this shit. Yep. All right. Yeah. yeah, Young Horses, uh, the studio behind Bug Snacks and Octodad, mm-hmm. talked about how they had switched to a four-day work week last month to create a healthier work-life balance at its studio. Mm-hmm. I think that was the studio that... Uh, very much was like, you're only working 40 hours at most this week. Mm-hmm. We're not letting you work overtime or anything. So that's kind of uh, the whole thing there. So yeah, there's a lot of studios testing out different ways of doing this to make things easier on their people, especially if they're working remotely. Mm-hmm. Uh, managing more house stuff at the same time while trying to work. And finding ways to just make everybody happier. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to make many great games making everybody miserable. Yeah. It's true. Uh, let's get to this next bit of news. Randy Pitchford announced a weird reorganization of Gearbox. Uh, seeming like he was stepping down from Gearbox Studio or Gearbox Software, but then revealed that, haha, there's other Gearboxes he's going to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. The, the new structure, you put Steve Jones as president of Gearbox Software. Yeah. That's their game-making part of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Gearbox Publishing, which handles you know their publishing duties. That's President Steve Gibson's place. He is heading up Gearbox Studios, managing their media stuff, like the new movie uh, thing, the Borderlands movie, and I imagine other things they want to do as well, but as the the CEO and president of Gearbox Entertainment, the sort of overall um, mothership company of all this mm-hmm. is still Randy Pitchford at the top. Mm. So yeah, if you don't like him, he has not really changed much of anything. Nope, not really. He still says that he is there to help out anybody working on the games and the, and all that that needs him, needs his input and all that. And obviously he's the person to go to if you need help with like what to do for Borderlands mm-hmm. or whatever. Since those are all his uh, 
his properties, his babies, whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's, I, I'm pretty sure he shifted seats a couple of times in that company already, hasn't he? I don't know. <laughs> he's been the face of the whole thing for many years. Yeah. I don't know if he's changed positions or whatnot. They moved up once they graduated out of being just a development studio. Mm. I don't know. I haven't followed it that closely. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, we got an update on that. Uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission settlement between the U.S. government and Activision Blizzard. Yep. That the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, DFEH, oh. filed a motion to intervene in this potential settlement uh, because they argue that uh, the settlement allows Activision Blizzard to start uh, damaging and changing the evidence mm-hmm. that they have that would be required as part of their suit yep. against Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the settlement includes a clause which requests that Activision Blizzard be able to remove any allegations of sexual harassment from the personnel files of settlement claimants, effectively destroying evidence that is essential to the DFEH's own trial. Mm-hmm. And they say they've met with uh, part both parties uh, to inform them of this plan and all this. Uh, normally, they would have to wait seven days before filing its intervention. Instead, due to the grave harm mm-hmm. they see in this settlement, this filed the motion ex parte, which mm-hmm. has to be filed instantly if the court finds it reasonable. And so, yeah, they're trying to justify this to the courts and all this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's more to this. Activision Blizzard is very much like uh, we're committed to making this the most welcoming, inclusive, and safe workplace, and all this other stuff they keep saying. And then more, more stuff keeps coming out to show like, yeah, maybe they're not being 100% truthful about this stuff. Mm. Maybe they're just saying what they need to say to keep shareholders happy. Mm. So who knows? But that shit is not uh, stopping anytime soon. So I have to see nope. where this goes. Yeah. Because, yeah, they definitely would not like Activision Blizzard to be able to start removing evidence of uh, this stuff from people's profiles mm. and all that uh, while they're trying to go through it as part of their case against uh, Activision Blizzard. Mm. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that whole thing. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Twitch had a great week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have been hacked. And I'm not talking about, like, getting salted passwords or email addresses or whatever. They've gotten a huge amount of data. Mm-hmm. Uh, an anonymous hacker has posted a 125 gigabit torrent up mm-hmm. on the Internet that contains, at the very least... Twitch's entire source code and commit history going back to the beginning, I assume, when it was Justin TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leak also contains streamers' income information since 2019. Uh, information that also, I guess, suggests that Amazon was working on, or Twitch was working on, a Steam rival that they called Vapor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they've only really said they can confirm a breach has taken place. Our teams are working with urgency to understand the extent of this. 
and all that. They've posted other stuff as well, saying there's like a uh, whatever a malicious third party has attacked them. Uh, which is like, yeah, that would seem the case unless it's somehow an inside job, which would be a hell of a thing to do. Yeah, yes, it would. But yeah, it seems like this includes the entirety of Twitch TV, uh, source code and commit history, Mm -hmm. uh, mobile desktop and video game console Twitch clients, uh, source code, uh, various proprietary SDKs and internal AWS services used by Twitch. Mm -hmm. Every other property that Twitch owns, including IGDB and CurseForge. Now released Steam competitor from Amazon Game Studios and a Twitch SOC internal red team red teaming tools. Mm. So a lot of stuff. Obviously, people gravitated to the Twitch income numbers. Uh, so, so even some streamers started uh, defining themselves by the numbers they had. Yeah. As far as like what place they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, jokingly being like, oh, your your number is lower than mine. You can't address me until you get higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, joking stuff, but uh, I think it, it's not really listed here, any sort of that number stuff, but people have been looking through it. And as you know, have the all the fear mongering about the, the booby streamers and all that, how they would mm-hmm. ruin things for all the legit streamers. Yeah. Yeah, it's a load of bullshit. Of course it is. It like, was all uh, like bullshit. 3% of streamers on the list were women. Mm-hmm. So that shows a lot like the, the top like 40-year-old men. Mm-hmm. Mostly white men. Uh, so, you know, a huge threat these women were to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't include like donations and stuff that happens off-site, you know, through Patreon or Coffee or Streamlabs or any of these other services that offer the ability mm-hmm. for you to donate money outside of the steam uh the twitch ecosystem mm-hmm. so it doesn't necessarily count the full extent of their money mm. that they earned in the past year or two mm-hmm. but you know that's uh that's kind of that twitch i don't know how twitch uh reacts to this stuff yeah honestly if it, me neither. If it in any way aids people's ability to like get into their systems or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like, you know, the Facebook stuff that happened this week where they had to physically go to the location of their servers to sort of manually reset things. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is sort of code source code being out there in a way that, uh, fucks things up for a lot of the people that's, uh, work at the company and their tech side and all that. Mm-hmm. I know I've gotten emails about them resetting Steam key or stream keys mm. that you used to stream. So I think resetting the people that you have listed is like, oh, you can stream to our channel, which you have for uh, some of the people here that stream on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of the fun thing they're doing. Uh, it's also a good idea to reset your passwords on your Twitch accounts. Yeah, if you have one. Yep. I mean, obviously, if you don't have a Twitch account, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, that's the, the thing going on. It's pretty much all Twitch's problems to worry about. Yep. For the most part. 
Pretty but, much. Uh, now let's get to a problem that is entirely of the people that support uh, the the person that scammed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, NFTs, a whole shitty business here. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as they start involving video games. As people are trying to make NFT games, I still don't understand what that exactly is. Me neither. But this involves so-called evolved apes uh, that were working on, supposed to be working on some game selling like NFTs to fund it uh, that involve these ugly looking avatars of like shaved apes mm-hmm. with like uh, all kinds of weird stuff. One that very much looks like Ryu from Street Fighter. Oh, yeah. With, but with nunchucks. Uh, that are apparently very much like uh, a different uh, NFT of like shitty looking avatars. Mm-hmm. I forget what the, the name was called. It was like Placid Ape or something really weird. Yeah. But yeah, they the person that ran this, uh, let me see if I can find their, I guess just called Evil Ape, the creator of this NFT. So working with the team and all this, they got like $2.7 million they'd raised that uh, then absconded with it. Yep. with it. Took it all. So if you bought the NFTs of these dumb JPEGs, guess what? They are fucking worthless. <laughs> well, that and the artists that made them never got paid. Yep. Before. Nobody got paid for anything because the person that ran this whole thing, just took all the money. Yep. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody that supported this, suckers. Mm-hmm. You know, it sucks for you, but you invest yourself in this whole, like, anonymous thing so that there's... I can just run away, and you're kind of left uh, with shitty-looking, you know, Twitter avatars or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you can be glad you spent $10,000 on them. So, mm-hmm. cool. You own that link to that download, to download yep. that JPEG, I guess. So, cool. Mm. Yeah, don't support NFTs. No. They wreck our environment, and they're basically scams. And, unfortunately, the big corporations are getting into it. DC's mm. doing it with the that DC Dome thing. Mm-hmm. You can sign up and get free NFTs and whatnot. I'm like, I don't want any of that shit. Mm-hmm. I got enough stuff I've purchased that I can physically hold or you know use on my computer or whatever that I don't have enough time to do all that stuff. Mm. Much less buy theoretical images that I quote unquote own. That also, you know what they call people that just like I can just right click and save this. Yeah, they call them right clickers. Aggressively, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, yeah, I paid nothing for this image to do the exact amount with it that you will. Yeah, which is put it in a fucking folder and forget about it until twenty years later. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh yeah, this is when this stupid shit was happening. Yep. Hey, there's other NFT game devs that are like, oh, we'll we'll sell you spots on our pre-sale stuff because mm-hmm. we won't. Right? And yeah, so. Good luck with all that. Yeah, seriously. You better just put that money into charities that would actually make good use of it. Mm-hmm. 
so that if they abscond with it, they there's consequences for it. Yep. But hey, let's get to uh, the final news here of the week. Yeah. The composer of the Dragon Quest series, Koichi Sugiyama, has died at 90 years old. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, Sugiyama, he was one of the three major figures behind the Dragon Quest franchise. Um, him, of course, uh, there was Akira Toriyama, who was famously the artist. And, of course, the guy who was behind, you know, the design and the programming, Yuji Ori. Um, and of the three people, Sugiyama was undoubtedly, undisputably the biggest piece of shit of, a, of either one of them. Because the man was, I mean, let, let's not even get into the social shit, which we will undoubtedly be getting into. But are you curious why the soundtrack in Dragon Quest uh, Eleven sounded so shitty? Is that? Because of him. Why it was all MIDI and shit. He for whatever reason, would not allow uh, Square Enix to use his uh, orchestral arrangements for the game. Yeah, at least until they had that Switch version. Yeah. Um, He was notoriously stingy with how people listened to his music. Um, He was really bad at, like, you know, suing people and, you know, people who, like, posted, uh, posted it on, like, YouTube or whatever. Um. Yeah, he was just really, just uh, really stingy with his work, um, which is bad enough. But then you get to all the other shit that he was up to. Uh, so amongst other things, uh, he was a uh, Nanking denier. Yeah. Which, uh, for those of you who do not know, Japanese World War II history. Uh, when Japan was the Japanese Empire, and they were invading parts of Korea and China, uh, they infamously took over a city called Nanking, or Nanjing, and uh, did awful, awful shit there. They raped a bunch of people, uh, murdered children, men, women, in droves. Um, It was literally so awful that the the guys who were there, the German uh, liaisons who were there, were actually legit horrified by it. And keep in mind, these people were Nazis. <laughs> and we're looking at this and we're thinking, Christ, this is awful. Um, on top of that, in Korea, they basically kept a bunch of uh, sex slaves around that were called comfort women. Um, and he was active in denying both of these things ever happened. Yeah, like saying they were doing it of their own admission and all that. Yeah. Um, he was also active in the uh, what was known as the textbook reform movement, which was basically a pretty way of saying we want the textbooks to look more favorably on our war record rather than tell the actual truth. Yeah. And then there's all the other shit that he was up to, like... Uh, Using his buddy with like far right politicians, yeah, far right politicians shows with them, yeah, some of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, he made fun of LGBTQ people that that committed suicide due to bullying and all that. Yeah, quite viciously. Um, yeah, and he gave like financial support to all these groups. Um, yeah, he was just 
he, 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 he was just a bad guy. And to be completely honest, his music wasn't even really good. <laughs> like I'm like he's important because he was um, one of the first like major classical composers to take the medium of video game music seriously. And you know, so you know, obviously he's given credit for giving it a sense of artistry that didn't really exist before. Yeah, I mean, his initial music is quite good, but sort of largely reusing it over and over again maybe took away from it. Yeah, and if you look over his actual like con- musical contributions to the series, he actually didn't make a whole lot of music for it. He would make like maybe a few tracks and they often repeated. Yeah. Um, that's especially true for like Dragon Quest 11. He did like four or five uh pieces of music all of which repeat. Um and loop yeah. Which makes sense with the S version where you can, you know, decide whether to continue with a 3D mm-hmm. um, version of the game or like a 2D version of the game, mm-hmm. like the classic games. Uh, like reusing music in that way makes sense as like a celebration of the, the series. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's not uh, a great example of your skills that you're kind of doing like the bare minimum. Yeah. And then there was uh, that thing that happened in 2007 when uh, he ended up uh, putting his name with a bunch of Japanese politicians for uh, a huge full-page advertisement that was put in the Washington Post that was aimed at American efforts at seeking an apology from the Japanese government for their country's inhumane treatment of uh, the comfort women. Like, it's... God, he was just a piece of shit. Yeah. I kind of wish Lee was here, because real Dragon Quest uh, fanatic of the group, and I'm pretty sure he's got a lot of things to say. Yeah, he's very much, uh, when he supported the series, was very much, you know, holding his nose mm-hmm. uh, to the notion that it also supported Sugiyama. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully with uh, the next game, uh, they find a good successor mm-hmm. to, you know, do some new stuff, because they're... Yeah. Taking all the chances on other parts of the game. Yeah, but I've also heard that he apparently handpicked the person who was supposed to succeed him. So. Yeah, hopefully I, he doesn't think like him. Or hopefully he isn't as awful as he was. Yeah. But also, guess what? Square Enix could do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, because it's. They literally offer as a state, like, hey, we'll give you, you know, X amount of million of yen, uh, whatever, to buy all the rights to this music. Yeah, but you guys don't have to worry about this anymore, and you can have uh, all the money you want. Yeah, I mean, at Square Enix, they have pretty much all the money; they can do whatever they want. So, especially Dragon Quest money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they can uh, definitely do ways of cutting the the family out of it that you know this old piece of shit wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. I imagine they probably offered many times, like, "Hey, why don't you uh, retire?" We can help you with that and give you a bit of money here and some papers to sign so you never yeah. have to worry about this again. And he's like, no. No, I it's will like, not retire. I need to go on my radio show and complain about gay people. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. Don't send us anything about how it's unfair and all this. Yeah. He lived to 90. No. He yeah. went the distance. There's nothing tragic about his death there's nothing no 
He just Sad. died of old age. Yeah, he died of like septic shock or whatever. Yeah. And it's like he got everything he wanted. Virtually no backlash, personal backlash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to it and he won out. Essentially. Mm-hmm. And also if you're if you're gonna be dying at some point and you want people to respect you as a dead person, you should do things during your life that are deserving of respect. Mm-hmm. And when you don't do that, guess what? People will be like, no, fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. Like we've done when uh, certain presidents have passed away. Yeah. In the past few years. And yeah. Hopefully when one of them uh, that was mm-hmm. president recently passes away. Mm-hmm. You'll see many people probably celebrating. Mm-hmm. That one less piece of shit is uh, walking around. So, mm-hmm. live a life where people won't celebrate mm-hmm. your death. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, have fun with that. Yeah. If you want to complain, send it to Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, that's it for the show. A uh, bit of a long one here as we had plenty of new games to talk about and some of this other stuff. Well, we still managed to keep it under two hours, so. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, We'll let you guys go. Let you get back to the the rest of the things you're doing. Uh, thank you to Brandon for joining this week. Always. We will we will be back next week with a new slate of news mm-hmm. and a bunch of things that uh, you can check out mm-hmm. as we get further into this holiday season. Uh, we will yeah be doing some more streaming stuff. I stream throughout the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I drove the rest of the way through Wyoming and American truck simulator and then tried to drive to Colorado and kept paying too much attention to other things and, uh, missed my turns and trying to do stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, getting semi trucks through making ridiculous U-turns that they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Seriously. So that was a fun end of that stream, but mm-hmm. yeah, stream the other stuff, jet super monkey ball, Metroid dread. Uh, those are all fun. So, should be streaming some more this week as we get some more things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that'll be it. Feel free to let anybody you know know about the show if you enjoy it. Uh, we don't care if they like you, don't like you, uh, don't care about you. They may like uh, us. <laughs> yeah. Always good to have more people and it'll give you something in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you all next week. Have a good one.